A draw is better than a loss. I am the champ. Oh my god. No, no, no. <laughs> no I, <didn't. laughs> I, I believe that is the quadruple. Aaron Rodgers is phenomenal. Come on, Jared Goff. Come on. Any trade that involves you getting Drew Locke, you probably lost. Well, I guess everyone knew more than I did. The amount of times that you have been on stage with less than reputable clothing? Yes, indeed. We have no shit. Enough said on that. I can neither confirm or deny. Shout out to um, Raccoon Red. Clearly, I have a lot of opinions about this. Hello and welcome to another episode of Improper Fantasy Football. My name is Mark, and I wish everyone a very happy Thanksgiving. Biz has the week off after weeks and months of jet-setting the pond for shows, auditions, and family visits. He's spending the week with family, watching World Cup play, NFL, and possibly some Ohio State University of Michigan football as well. But we have football to discuss, and I've called on some of our loyal listeners to send in some questions to help provide some banter. And if you... Dear listener, ever want to provide some questions or just see how we're doing or let us know how you're doing, feel free to reach out to us on our social media platforms. Our Instagram is Improper Fantasy Football. Our Twitter handle is at Improper Fantasy. And as always, our Gmail account is Improper Fantasy Podcast at gmail.com. This week was a fascinating week for fantasy football. We had a couple of buys, so I didn't get a chance to watch my beloved Seahawks play but we had quite the slate of games that we still got to enjoy. So let's go ahead and dive into our weekly stat leaders and talk about some of the injuries that happened this past week as well. Quarterbacks were led by Joe Burrow with 355 yards, four touchdowns, and two interceptions. That's good for 31.7 points in our fantasy league. Leading running back was Tony Pollard, who went off. Uh, not too incredible on the ground. 80 yards, no touchdowns, but receiving was 109 receiving yards and two touchdowns. Good for 27.2 points. Amari Cooper uh, in that back-and-forth, relatively back-and-forth game of the Bills versus the Browns, although the Browns were never really in it, uh, notched up 141 yards and two touchdowns, 31.1 points in our league. And the leading point scorer in our fantasy league, was tight end Travis Kelsey, who seems to be the stat leader every single week. Again, not a lot of people shocked about that. 115 points, three touchdowns in that back and forth, actual back and forth game. Uh, good for 32 and a half points. We do have a few surprises this week. Jacoby Brissett is doing the most with the time he's got before Deshaun Watson comes in in a couple weeks and takes that starting job away from him. 324 yards, three touchdowns, zero picks, respectable performance. A lot of that was having to play from behind and having to throw the ball. Uh, but he got 29.86 points, so, you know, can't complain about that. So Maje Pirine, very similar to Tony Pollard and how he got his points, uh, only had 30 yards rushing on the ground, so nothing great from the running perspective. But so Maje Pirine shocks everybody with getting three touchdowns receiving, and I believe... Uh, the stat in that game was he was the first running back in Bengals history to end up with having three receiving touchdowns in the same game. Good for 19.7 points there. So if you had Samaj P. Ryan on your fantasy team this past week, uh, good on you for finding him. Don't think anybody expected Mixon to come out of that game. Uh, Joshua Palmer, uh, like Travis Kelsey in that game where it was just back and forth, back and forth. Joshua Palmer ended up with 106 yards and two touchdowns. A couple of really, really nice deep passes that he caught too. 29.6 points. So there were a lot of opportunities to just get back into the game from players that were going in there. We did have a number of injuries. Uh, Justin Fields left the Bears game with a shoulder injury. Uh, it doesn't sound like Iberflus is committing at this point to saying whether or not he's going to be back this week or be back this season. I would be very disappointed if Justin Fields went out for the year. I don't have him on any of my fantasy teams, but I just loved the, the elevation of his game over the past month, month and a half or so. Uh, I mentioned before about Joe Mixon. He left the Bengals game this past week with a concussion. That is going to be a huge blow. This past draft, he was typically taken in the second round, but people did reach for him in the first round, so this could be... Really, really devastating for those teams that are trying to rush to the end to be able to secure their playoff spots. Wandale Robinson started looking like he was actually emerging as a legit target for the Giants. Torn ACL out for the season. Uh, the Giants losing that game this past week against the Lions. Um, 
you kind of felt this year that it was going to be the Giants finally elevating for the first time in six years, but they just can't get it right with the wide receiver position, whether or not it's dedicating their resources to the wrong people or it's just people constantly going out with injury. Real feel bad for them. Rams have two potentially uh, season-ending decisions to, to, to weigh on their hands. It looks like that Cooper Cup may be out for the season instead of just being out for like four or five weeks. But with the Rams losing to the Saints on Sunday, uh, it seems more and more likely that this is a lost season, that they're going to have one of those winning Super Bowl hangovers, and they're going to start looking towards next year. Matt Stafford uh, has re-entered concussion protocol. And there are some people speculating whether or not he's going to be done with his career. I certainly hope not, uh, although it would make the Seahawks' job a little easier going forward for the next couple of years while the Rams figure out what they're going to be doing. Uh, I don't think he's going to retire, but that would be a him decision. But it does seem more likely that he's going to be done for the year. You don't want to have to worry about this type of concussions when you've had them in back-to-back -back weeks. And especially if the Rams are already out for the season, you may as well try to evaluate, see what type of talent you've got there. And with the Rams not having a first-round pick this year because that went to the Lions, you don't really have a way to be able to reload at the top of the draft unless you're going to start being aggressive and trading pieces away. Uh, the Rams typically don't trade away their pieces. They tend to trade away their picks for pieces. So this may be a year where the Rams are like, we, we have to reload for the 2023 season. That is our recap of stats and injuries from Week 1. How did players do in your leagues? please reach out to us on our social media. That seems like a great question to be able to answer on our Twitter account, at Improper Fantasy. We're going to go ahead and take some time to look at our league results this past week. Um, don't really need to say much about my team. I'm uh, still bringing up the rear. There's now a uh, whole two games at, between me and 11th place in the rest of our league. So I'm, I'm, I'm in full-blown, develop my roster for the offseason and figure out what's the best six to carry over for next year. Uh, and it looks like that I'm doing a good job with that. We had a matchup where the, it was the slightest of margins. Your beloved co-host Biz going up against friend of the podcast, Justin, in a matchup that was decided by just a quarter of a point. Justin ekes out the matchup against Biz and currently occupies that sixth and final playoff spot with Three weeks to go. Biz has got some work over the last three weeks. We talked a little bit last week about what his schedule looks like. He's going to be playing against another player in the scrum next week against Ryan. Uh, that should be an interesting matchup. But then his work is, he's got his work cut out for him for the last couple of weeks where he plays against Ned, who is in second place. And he's going to be playing against improper Mark is currently in first place. Both of these teams are 9-2, although Improper Mark also had a very close matchup in even tighter game against Oliver. Uh, both of them underperforming this week. Mark should be pretty good, assuming that Joe Mixon can come back. That was really where he was uh, held back. Taking a look at our standings, right now Improper Mark and Ned have the buys, and if the season were to end today, Jerry would be taking on Justin in round one of the playoffs with Oliver going up against Roger the Hammer to see who can go on to that second round. And once again, like I said, bringing up the rear is your beloved Mark, who is now officially mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. How are all y'all doing this time of year? For me, while this has been a lost season, for chance for glory and potentially rubbing business face in his championship he got last year with the championship this year. Those dreams have sailed. But I do have other leagues that I'm in, and I am focusing all of my attention and effort in making sure that I have the best roster for December and January. The end of the regular season for fantasy football is coming nigh, either going to be three or four weeks out, depending on the structure of your league. And it is time to make sure that you can start picking up these players that are going to start coming back from injury or start looking at those schedules for the end of the season to see which teams are going to have the most favorable matchups come playoff time. And that will wrap up our recap for the Improper Fantasy Football League as of Week 11. 
We have a lot of questions that got sent in this past week. Thank you very, very much to our loyal listeners. Always very happy to be able to see these. They go ahead and impact what we talk about from week to week. And for this, it's actually going to give me a wide range of topics to talk about without having Biz here to banter with me. Starting right off with this past week was the Jets-Patriots game. The worst game ever. And the answer to that question is no. Was this one of the worst slogs to have to endure? I mean, it wasn't enjoyable to watch. Uh, if you saw any of that game, the wind was horrendous. Wind was absolutely atrocious, and it did not make for really any type of air game to be played in that. There was a lot of having to try to run the ball. This game featured, I believe it was 17 punts. Not enjoyable. But I have watched a late 2000s Cleveland Browns versus Seattle Seahawks 6-3 to matchup. If you want to talk about what game was the actual worst to watch, uh, I would go ahead and point towards that. But the reason why this Patriots-Jets game was not the worst game ever is because we were thankfully spared of an overtime uh, off of that last punt return for a touchdown on the 16th and most important punt. Patriots scooped it up, ran it in for a touchdown with five seconds left, and at that point, we all knew that the game was over. We didn't have to endure an overtime. So even though it was not a fun score and it was not a fun game, the fact that the game ended with viewers knowing that, okay, we don't have to endure all this, it was ended on a high note. Uh, I, I think the entire country was rooting for the Jets to beat the Patriots. Uh, just kind of one of these games that says, let's get the little brother to finally elevate over the big brother. I was disappointed in the results, but at the same time, the better team won in this matchup, and it actually opens up an additional question. You may have seen on various talk shows the past couple days or so, people bringing into question Zach Wilson's maturity and leadership. When asked after the game whether or not he felt that his offense let the defense down, a defense that held the Patriots to three points, remember that that punt return came on special teams. The defense held the Patriots to three points. When asked if the offense let down the defense, Zach Wilson just bluntly looked at them and said no. And that's not what you're supposed to do as the leader of the team. Uh, I, I don't want to have to repeat everything that everybody said so far. Uh, clearly, if you're the quarterback, the face of the franchise, you're supposed to be the leader. You're supposed to hold yourself accountable, and you're supposed to take the blame when everybody else is failing as well. So... Uh, th there have been calls for Zach Wilson to lose his job, for the Jets to turn the page on the Zach Wilson experiment. I, I honestly don't know if that's a bad decision, uh, but at this point, I would say that you've got a young, immature player who needs to be sat down, who needs to be shown this is what you need to do as a leader of a franchise, and he's got the rest of the season to figure out whether or not he can elevate. But for me, as a viewer of these games, who has not really looked at the Jets as being this offensive firepower, and yes, they lost Brees Hall, but they're in a position where even though they're last in their division, they still have an opportunity to make the playoffs with their record. What happens if you throw Mike White back into the fold, who had those awesome games last season uh, that <laughs> made a lot of people very, very happy to just... Uh, randomly snatch him on Fantasy Wire. I think he got like 400 yards and two touchdowns in one of the couple games he started last year. Anyway, that is going to be a fascinating storyline to keep an eye on for the rest of the season. After the loss against the Saints, is the Rams season over? I think it is. I think the injuries are too much to overcome uh, with Cooper Cup and Matt Stafford. Uh, the lack of a consistent running game with Daryl Henderson and Cam Akers, and Cam Akers who doesn't even really want to be there, even though now they're finally starting to utilize him more. Uh, the defense that has been playing fine, but not been the stout, successful defense that they've been over the past couple of years. Part of that's because they're on the field longer, because the offense can't give them more rest. Uh, Aaron Donald's not getting any younger. Jalen Ramsey's still playing fine, but that, that, that whole team, I think, needs an entire just off-season rest, they, they need to get their guys healthy, and they need to figure out what's going on at running back in order for this team to be back in full firepower. Uh, I do think that their season is over. Big question from Kelly this week, one that I'm very happy to answer. Do I think that the Seahawks could end up winning their division 
and securing a top five pick. Do I think we can? Yeah, I think we can. Would I bet money on that? Not after seeing the way that the 49ers played last night. 49ers demolished the Cardinals on Monday Night Football. I believe the final score of that game was 38-10. to 10. Uh, And yes, that was with Kyler Murray again being out. Uh, I, I don't know if Kyler Murray is going to be back in the near future. Hopefully he's going to be back by next week, although I don't think I have him in any of my fantasy leagues, so eh, just let him keep tanking. Do I think that the Seahawks can win the division? In order for that to happen, the Seahawks must win the Thursday night football game against San Francisco. There is no other option. Right now we're tied, 6-4 and four for both teams, uh, but the 49ers seem to be getting better, whereas the last time we saw the Seahawks, they did not look that great against the Bucks. Uh, now, I don't think that the season is over for the Seahawks. I'm, I'm not, the, the, the sky's not falling on the team right now. Uh, I do think that we're going to end up making the playoffs if the, team play, if the team keeps playing the way that it is. Uh, although that entire NFC East is starting to show that every single one of them can win. Uh, even the Commanders, they've, they've put up a couple of interesting victories over the past three, four weeks. Are they on like a four or five game winning streak? Man. Anyway, uh, I, I think it's more likely that the Seahawks end up as a wildcard team. Uh, they may end up as the sixth seed because I think that the Cowboys are going to likely end up as the fifth seed unless the Cowboys just outright win the division. Uh, I also think it's highly likely that we end up with a top five pick. Uh, I was reading an article on ESPN Plus earlier today and they are estimating that the Broncos will have the third worst record in the NFL when the season is over. And honestly, that... That is beyond what my expectations were for this pick. Not even from like when the trade happened, but as of just a few weeks ago. It looked like the Broncos may have been ending up with like, you know, the 10th pick, the 11th pick, 12th pick, something like that. Uh, but if we end up with a number three pick, and with the teams looking the way that they're going to be drafting at the top, uh, likely it's going to be Houston and Carolina with those last top two picks. Both of those teams are going to be looking for quarterbacks. And that potentially leaves one of our biggest needs open for us to take at number three at defensive line. Now, the best player as of right now going into next year's draft is going to be Will Anderson Jr., the edge rusher out of Alabama, who last year potentially could have even won the Heisman Trophy, but the it was a big Will Hutchison year. He was the defensive player that they selected in, but Go back and watch highlights from last season. Will Anderson Jr. was the best player in football last season. I don't care what you're going to say about Bryce Young. It was Will Anderson. Another player that you can consider there is going to be like a Jalen Carter, a defensive tackle. Either of those monstrous talents we could take with the top three pick. I, I'm, I'm diverging from the topic. I'm already looking ahead towards next season. I love talking about mock drafts. This is a great time of the season, by the way. College football is starting to... Uh, wind up the regular season. We are leading into f the final uh, regular season game for Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, great, great games this weekend. I'm really, really excited to see the outcome of the, this weekend. Uh, then we're going to get the conference championship games, and then we'll see who's in the college football playoff. And if I have my hopes all answered, Alabama will be nowhere near that. Please save me from Alabama. But to bring that question to a head, Kelly, do I think that the Seahawks can win the division and get a top five pick? Yes, I think they can. Would I put money on it? No, I wouldn't because I think that we're going to be just outside of the division when the time comes at the end. Another question here. This one's from Justin. With alleged sexual assault offender uh, Deshaun Watson entering back into the folds for the Browns, how do the Browns look for the rest of the year? And how does Amari Cooper specifically look for the end of the year? So we still have a couple of weeks until Deshaun Watson comes back in. I believe his first week is going to be week 13. Yeah, it's going to be week 13. So the Browns have one more week this week. Um, this is going to be the 11th game that Deshaun Watson is out. And then Deshaun Watson will be back in on week 13. Now, whether or not the Browns decide, hey... We're just out of it. Let's just slowly bring Deshaun Watson back into the fold. Uh, we don't want to rush him in and then just look really, really bad. Honestly, if I was the Browns, I would say, hey, we got like five, six games for the end of the season. He doesn't have a lot of games to have to play for. And it's possible that if he catches fire, we could just win the last six games and get up a wildcard spot if any of these AFC East teams 
just starts to collapse. It looks like the Jets might be collapsing right now. I think that the Browns are going to be a little middling, but honestly, they don't have a reason to tank. They don't have a reason to just like phone it in for the rest of the season because they don't have their first round pick. They gave that to Houston for Deshaun Watson. So they have really no reason other than if Deshaun Watson's like, hey, I'm just not feeling it right now, or you know, I, I have all this like field rust. I would throw him on the field. I would play him as best as possible. And yes, it's been a couple of years. But Deshaun Watson, and I'm only saying this from a fantasy perspective. You, If you go back and listen to the podcast from the summer, you know how I feel about the Deshaun Watson situation in general. But we're talking about fantasy football right now. And Deshaun Watson has the capability of being one of the very, very best quarterbacks in football for this last month. He could carry championship teams all by himself, and he could elevate the likes of David Njoku, of Donovan Peoples-Jones. Uh, a lot of people already know that Amari Cooper is there, but he could be even elevate to top receiver in the league. Uh, you could see Nick Chubb slide back a little bit unless he decides to catch a little bit more out of the backfield. Uh, Texans running backs, when Deshaun Watson was quarterback, didn't necessarily pop every single year because of the volume that was being thrown. So Nick Chubb can catch out of the backfield. That's not really his game. So the Browns have the capability of just posting phenomenal players. I, honestly, at this point, the only one that I would stash on my bench for a long period of time would be Donovan Peoples-Jones. Just because he's already doing well. He's had a couple of weeks over the past month where he has been a delightful surprise. I think he was one of our surprises a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, he's the only extra one that I would pick up right now. And if you don't, if Don, if Deshaun Watson is available in your league on your bench, uh, go ahead and pick him up. I think I only ended up with him in one of my leagues. You know, not particularly thrilled with seeing that, but at the same time, he's like, yeah, I, I, I don't like a lot of that. Broncos versus Panthers. This is my favorite question that Je Justin submitted. Uh, Broncos versus Panthers. Do they really have to play this week? <laughs> my goodness, these teams just look absolutely abysmal. I, I think a lot of people predicted that the Panthers would look bad this year. Nobody predicted that the Broncos would look bad. And I think we're going to have another game that's going to be teens score versus teens score. Once again, the Broncos' offense was only able to muster 16 points or less. Uh, but this game went to overtime. Um, in regulation, the Broncos' defense held the Raiders to 16 points. Uh, do these teams have to play? They have to play. I mean, you have to find defenses week in and week out that you think are going to do well. And honestly, for this week... Both the Broncos and the Panthers' defenses are probably decent plays. I know that in a bunch of my leagues, I have picked up the Broncos uh, over the past month or so to say, hey, the, the team is bad, but the defense is still one of the best scoring defenses in the league. Yeah, I, I'd say that the Broncos are a good play from that perspective. They did just release Melvin Gordon, and... Hopefully he ends up getting picked up somewhere. I really liked Melvin Gordon about four or five years ago. He hasn't really been much ever since he signed with the Broncos a few years back. Not going to lie, kind of hoping that the Seahawks pick him up to be that one-two punch alongside Kenneth Walker. That would kind of be great. Uh, we, we still have a hole from when Rashad Penny got hurt. So Melvin Gordon, please, we'll sign you to a minimum contract. That would be great just to be able to give you something for the rest of the year. Panthers side... Deontay Foreman did not have another phenomenal game this past week. He'd been doing great the previous couple stretches since Christian McCaffrey got traded. But th this past week, Baker Mayfield looked abysmal. Uh, I know that Biz was watching Undisputed, and he loves seeing Skip Bayless just get really, really worked up defending this absolutely pitiful season for Baker Mayfield, blaming everybody here and there. It can't be his fault. It's this thing. It's the weather. It's the players. It's, it's the coaching. There's not really a player on this Panthers team outside of maybe DJ Moore, uh, maybe Deontay Foreman. Those could have just been some flashes in the pan, but Honestly, with the exception of the defense this week, um, there's not really a reason to look at the Panthers for any fantasy points relevant this week. Uh, but you're still going to play Deontay Foreman and DJ Moore if you've got them and you don't have any better players. 
Speaking of the Broncos, Kelly asks, is it time to fire Nathaniel Hackett? And I think that I've made my point clear on this in a couple of, couple of weeks ago. I, I don't like the idea of signing a head coach and then firing him within one year. Has Nathaniel Hackett been absolutely pitiful in this season? Yes, he has. Uh, has he made some boneheaded calls? Yes, he has. Has he cleared up some of those? I, I wish I could tell you a more clear answer, but ever since September, I really haven't been making an effort to watch full Broncos games to be able to see like, hey, where is he messing up now? What is he doing here? It's clear that this team needs something more. And also remember, they've had a lot of injuries. Uh, Garrett Bowles being gone for the majority of the season is a major blow. Losing your left tackle, especially when you have a scrambling quarterback, that, that's not an easy replacement. Has Russell Wilson not been in sync with this team? Yeah, he has. But also remember that they don't have all of their wide receivers. Patrick went out at the beginning of the season. And they also traded away Bradley Chubb. So this team has been in, let's accumulate as many draft picks. Uh, let's accumulate as much opportunity to be able to get better in the offseason as we can. So I don't think it's time to pull the plug on Nathaniel Hackett. I think you take a look at the success that he had as the offensive coordinator with the Packers the previous couple years, and you give him one more year with Russ. Uh, you also, damn it, make Russ play for the for the Broncos in training camp, in the preseason. You, you just can't have him not get in sync with your team. Yeah, th th this whole season has been absolutely embarrassing, but y I think you have to give, I think you have to give Nathaniel Hackett one more season, at least. Justin presented me with a who do you bench scenario. His offensive skill position players go running back, running back, wide receiver, wide receiver, and one flex. And between those, the players that he's contemplating are Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddell, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Alvin Kamara, and Jamal Williams. And conventional wisdom, not considering anything else on this team, would be, well, yeah, you, you bench MVS. And honestly, I'm not sure if that's the case. So you know you have to play Kamara and you have to play Jamal Williams. You have to play two running backs, and the only players on the list that are running backs are Jamal Williams and Alvin Kamara, so you must play him. Jamal Williams has been an interesting player over the past month. He's kind of reminded me of LeGarrette Blunt, where he's not getting a lot of yards, but he's getting a lot of touchdowns. I wouldn't be shocked if Jamal Williams ended the season with like 18, 19 touchdowns just because he keeps getting them at the goal line. So we'll see how that plays out there. But you've got four receivers here. Justin Jefferson, who is, you, you can never bench him. Jalen Waddell, whom you can never bench him. Uh, but the question here is Jamar Chase versus MVS. Conventional wisdom says, well, there's no question. You play Jamar Chase. And Justin, who submitted this roster question, said, but this is potentially going to be Jamar Chase's first game back after weeks. And do you play him as a starting wide receiver when Tyler Boyd is doing so well? And I would say the answer is you probably still play Chase. And the reason why I would play him over Marquez Valdez-Scantling is Kadarius Toney is starting to elevate himself on that Kansas City wide receiver core. Not saying that he's going to take the lead reins away from anybody, but there's not really a non-Travis Kelsey pass catcher on the Chiefs that has cemented themselves as saying, I'm the guy. Valdez-Scantling is the speedster on the team. He's the guy who's going to run down and try to just find an open spot because he's faster than everybody else. But he's not nearly the same type of speedster as Tyreek Hill. Has he found his way to a couple of really, really good catches and some scores the past few weeks? Yeah, he has. But you can't guarantee that so much. Now, meanwhile, the the Bengals have been banged up a lot. Uh, not, uh, not just Jamar Chase, who's had his issues with injury over the past couple of weeks. Joe Mixon, uh, we'll see if he's coming back this week. Um, while Samaje P. Ryan did well getting those receiving touchdowns, like they, he really wasn't an offensive threat there. Tyler Boyd's been doing really, really well the past month or so, but they really could use Jamar Chase. And while Jamar Chase may need to get himself back underneath him, he's still the best offensive playmaker that they have on that team. And I know they're going to be going up against the Titans. The Titans 
have a have an underrated defense. Don't, don't get me wrong. This defense is very, very good. But I, I still think that you have to go with Jamar Chase of this matchup. I, I He has significantly higher upside than MVS does. And I think he's got more consistent point opportunities. Really, the only thing that Alcides Scantling could get you is if he gets like a 60-yard touchdown uh, to add on top of a middling game. But it depends in this league, which Justin says, it's an eight-person league, so everybody's got a stacked lineup. Are you going to go for boomer bust or are you going to go for the sure points? Honestly, in an eight-person league, you may want to go for boomer bust just to have as many points as you can. But I, I don't know. It just seems like it's a crime to leave Jamar Chase on your bench. We have a jam-packed week of football coming up. Three potentially great games on Thanksgiving, starting off with the Bills versus the Lions. Now, at the beginning of the season, you would look at this Bills versus Lions game and say, this is just going to be a blowout. And right now, Vegas does have Buffalo as a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. But this is a Lions team that has, what, are they on a three-game winning streak right now? And they may not be playing against the best teams in the league. Yeah, they're on a three-game winning streak against the Packers, Bears, and Giants. And keep in mind that the Giants are not a bad team. Uh, I don't think anybody's calling them a great team, but the Giants are not a bad team. The Bills are a great team. The Bills are a great team. And they're currently reeling after two close losses, two three-point losses against the Jets and Vikings. And, and then they beat the Browns, yeah. But I think that this is potentially a trap game for the Bills. And this is going to be the second time that Buffalo is going to be playing in Detroit. Remember, last week, in that snowy, snowy blizzard that hit upstate New York, the Bills got out of town and they played their home game in Detroit, hosting the Browns. Now, my personal opinion about that, I feel like the entire world was robbed of potentially the best football game of all time. Playing six feet deep in the snow, the way football was meant to be. Did I just age 15 years with that statement? Hmm. Oh, well. Anyway, this Lions team has been punching above its weight for the past several weeks. I wouldn't be shocked if they keep this momentum running. I do think that this team is a significantly better team than we've had the past several years. And maybe this is the type of game that the Lions are going to be like, you know what, we've got momentum. We've got a lot to look forward to. We've got a lot of fantastic playmakers. Maybe this is the game that gets the Lions into the conversation of is... is are we finally going to start paying attention to them? Second game on Thanksgiving is going to be the Giants at Cowboys. Giants losing to the aforementioned Lions. And the Cowboys destroying the, destroying the previously hyped up on this podcast Vikings. This is, this is going to be a fascinating game. I think conventional wisdom is going to say that you should be picking the Cowboys in this game. Cowboys are a nine-point favorite, um, and the Cowboys are just looking phenomenal with their hellacious pass rush. Uh, these teams are tied, both at 7-3. and three. This game, I think, is going to be a lot closer than people think. I do think that this is going to be a Cowboys victory. I don't think it's going to be a blowout, and I don't think it's going to be as high-scoring as everybody else thinks. Don't sleep on this Giants defense. This Giants defense is very, very good potentially outside of the linebacker spot. I really like their front four. I really like what their their uh, corners have been doing this season as well. Uh, keep an eye on this game. This is really going to be if Dak Prescott can find open receivers in this game um, and if Tony Pollard can continue to be a problem. But if Saquon Barkley gets going and if Daniel Jones is allowed to run and rush uh, to get around the edge rushers, th this has all the makings of being a, a ground and pound game. And then the Thanksgiving evening game is going to be Patriots at Vikings. Patriots winning the worst game of the season. How many worst games of the season have we had this year? You know what? I, I want to put a challenge out to our listeners. Can you send me your top five, or I guess your bottom five games of the season? I, I feel like every single week we have, was this the worst game we've seen? And most of them have been Broncos, and most of them have been 30, uh, Thursday night football games. But what were your five worst games of this season so far? Uh, Patriots-Vikings. Patriots, like I said, coming back and winning the punt fest that was against the Jets. And the Vikings getting destroyed against the Cowboys. It looks like Vegas is giving Minnesota two and a half points. But remember, they're playing at home. 
And playing at home essentially gives you three points, which means that Vegas thinks this is a pick'em. And I wouldn't be comfortable betting one way or another. If the Patriots' defense continues to play the way that it has been and they can frustrate Kirk Cousins, and you can get to Kirk Cousins, Matthew Judon has looked phenomenal this year as an edge rusher. If they can put the pressure on Kirk Cousins, this may have uh, all the, the workings for a Patriots ruining the entire country's Thanksgiving once again. Uh, it really depends on if Dalvin Cook can get going. It really depends on if Justin Jefferson can create space for Kirk Cousins to find him early on his routes. Uh, and maybe this is a game where Adam Thielen has to make an appearance to be able to make things work. But this is all going to come down to, in my opinion, the Patriots' pass rush against Kirk Cousins. I'm very excited to see how Thanksgiving works this this week. There are a few more games that are going to be played this week that have some interest. We mentioned before uh, Cincinnati versus Tennessee, two very, very good teams playing against each other. 6-4 uh, and four Bengals versus the 7-3 and three Titans. It looks like Cincinnati is the favorite. And I think I agree with that. I think that I would, if I was putting money on this game, I would put it on the Bengals. But I think the majority of this country is disrespecting the Titans just because they don't get shown a lot. The last time they were shown on a primetime stage, they they were beat by the Chiefs. But it was a, a game that they lost in overtime, if I recall correctly. The Titans are a very good team. Derrick Henry has already gone over for 1,000 yards. And I... I I'm going to tell you right now, my, my goal in this offseason is to find some way to trade for Derrick Henry. I know in a keeper league, you shouldn't be trading for older running backs, but he's my favorite player in the league right now, and I want him. So uh, pay attention in the offseason for trades. We'll see what happens there. Atlanta versus Washington. This is going to be a sneaky game. Falcons are 5-6, and six, right in the cusp of potentially being a division favorite, and the Commanders have a winning record. I repeat, it is late November, and the Commanders have a winning record. It's 6-5. and five. Washington is currently a 4.5-point favorite at FedEx Field this week. The Commanders are currently on a stretch of games where they have won 5 of 6, their lone blemish being a 3-point loss to the Vikings. In that stretch, they beat the Eagles, which was a huge shocker. Uh, they lost the Vikings, and the Falcons is going to be a, a test against a, I would say, equivalent team to them. Someone that's very middle of the field, replacement-level quarterback, and a running game that you're like, yeah, we can make it work. This should be an interesting game. Uh, no Kyle Pitts for the Falcons does lend more good things to the Commanders. You may see the Commanders being 7-5 and five when this is all said and done. Green Bay versus Philadelphia. Eagles narrowly escaping their matchup against the Colts. And Green Bay losing by 10 points to the Titans on Thursday night football. Uh, but they're rested. They've had a longer week because they're coming off of Thursday night football. They're going to be playing now Sunday night football. Two primetime games back-to-back. -back. I think we're in for a defensive slugfest. Either one of two options are going to happen. I think we're in for a defensive slugfest. Or we're going to see a game where the linebackers of the Packers cannot stop the run and the Eagles are just going to blow out the Packers. I do not see a scenario where the Packers blow out the Eagles. I do not see a scenario where there's a shootout between both teams, unless Christian Watson starts getting going early. I think that if Christian Watson continues to develop on this meteoric rise he's had over the past two weeks, where he's had five touchdowns, he's really the skill position player that needs to... to to develop himself right there, but I think we're more likely than not going to have a slog of running, 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 because the Packers have only succeeded if they can run the ball and cause the the front seven to have to respect the run. Uh, I would hope that, for the Packers' sake, I would hope that A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones get more run time. My last game to look for for the week will be the Bears versus the Jets. I think the Bears are going to sneak this one away. Jets are a four-and-a-half-point favorite at home. I don't know what it is. Let me, let me actually put a caveat on that. If Justin Fields is healthy, if Justin Fields is healthy and he plays this game, I would pick the Bears in this matchup because I think that the Jets are starting to unravel a bit. Uh, if they go to Mike White, I, I might change my mind. If they're sticking with Zach Wilson and Zach Wilson does not change, uh, I would pick the Bears in this matchup if Justin Fields plays. There's a lot of ifs in there. I know. <sighs> right now, 
without any news about that. You know, I'm still going to stick by my convictions. Uh, I would pick the Bears to win this matchup, not even knowing who's go- who are going to be the quarterbacks. We're getting late into the podcast, which means that it's time for me to reveal our pickums for the week. Recapping last week's games, Justin, our guest from last week, picked the Bears to be able to go in against the Falcons and win and came up short. Uh, 27-24, very, very close loss. So the guests' picks are still at three points. Uh, Biz, with his pick of Cincinnati, held on to win. Bengals winning a back-and-forth matchup against the Steelers. Biz notches a point and gets at seven points on the season. And I continue my streak a month straight of correct picks. It looks like the kiss of death is over. Hopefully, knock on wood. Uh, I picked the Baltimore Ravens last week to defend home turf against Carolina. I know, really went on a limb there, but got my win, got my point. Brings my total up for the season to five points. Recapping the season so far, Biz is at seven correct picks. After 11 weeks, I'm at five, and our guests are at three. Now, part of the reason why the guests are at three is because we had a few weeks there where we didn't have guest picks. Jerry has stepped up to the plate this week and is providing an entire Thanksgiving platter of picks, picking every single Thanksgiving game on this week's slate. Buffalo versus Lions, Jerry is going with the Bills in this matchup. New York Giants going to Dallas. Jerry is picking Dallas to defend home turf there. And Jerry is also picking the New England Patriots against the Vikings. Now, this is not just the normal slate of matchups that's like, hey, you know, Lions are always there. So the team that plays the Lions is going to beat them always. I think we predicted that at the beginning of the season. But this Lions team has been surging the past four weeks. This is really their first true test. I'm really excited to see what this Lions team against the Bills. I would still probably pick the Bills. Uh, Giants versus Cowboys. This is not an easy matchup. This is not an easy matchup. And I don't think that the games... I don't think that the schedule manager at the beginning of the season predicted this to be as good of a game. Division matchup, always tough. And while I think most people would pick the Cowboys here, this could be an interesting matchup. I talked about it before already. And Jerry picking the Patriots against the Vikings. Uh, Right now, Patriots are not a favorite. And the Patriots have to... They have to do better than they did last week where they only their only touchdown was on a punt return. So uh, Jerry trying to get the guest picks back on board picks Buffalo, Dallas, and New England on Thanksgiving. Biz submitted his pick almost immediately after all of the games were over. Biz is turning in his Baltimore Ravens pick for the year against the Jaguars in Jacksonville. This is an interesting matchup for me. Uh, Baltimore is a four-point favorite. We mean, since it's in Jacksonville, it's more like a touchdown favorite here. Um, yeah, I, 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 there's just something about this game that just feels off to me. And even though all conventional wisdom would say that the Baltimore Ravens should just decimate the Jaguars, I feel like this game may be a trap game for the Ravens. Would I bet on the Ravens? Yeah, I would definitely bet on the Ravens here. But something about this game makes me feel a little queasy. And my pick for the week, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time of the season. It is that time of the season. I have to put my money where my mouth is and show my love for my favorite team. That's right. I'm turning in the Seattle Seahawks as my pick for the week to defend home turf against the Oakland Raiders. An Oakland Raiders team, by the way, that has been looking better and better over the past several weeks. They appended the the Broncos, division rivals, last week. Devontae Adams has been stepping it up, and Derek Carr has not looked bad these past couple of weeks or so. That being the case, I'm looking at the rest of the season. The Seahawks don't really have a better matchup than this. They play the Panthers in a few weeks. Uh, Something about that game doesn't feel right to me. And even though I think that this is not the game that I necessarily wanted to pick, the Seahawks are only a three and a half point favorite at home. It's a lot closer than you think it's going to be, according to Vegas. But we're coming off of a bye. We came off of a loss. I don't think Pete Carroll is going to lose two games in a row with the way that this team is playing. And I think that this running game is going to get going against a pretty paltry Raiders defense. I'm turning in my Seahawks pick over the Raiders. So recapping, Jerry picks Thanksgiving winners, Bills, Cowboys, and Patriots. Biz 
taking the Baltimore Ravens over the Jacksonville Jaguars, and I am selecting the beloved, all-time great Seattle Seahawks to defend home turf against the Oakland Raiders. How do you feel about any of these picks? Let us know at improperfantasypodcast at gmail.com. I would love to be able to hear what y'all think. Uh, no buys in fantasy football this week. Uh, the NFL made a concerted effort and said that, hey, it's not fair that, you know, you know, some teams have to play on Thanksgiving and some teams just don't have to worry about that at all. So everybody is playing this week. Buys are going to resume for the next couple of weeks and then we're going to be done. Uh, and then we're going to get in the playoffs. Uh, but we do have a couple of stories that I wanted to talk about. Uh, we talked a little bit about Zach Wilson before and I want to just expand upon this. Zach Wilson's stats for the season have not been promising. Zach Wilson so far this season has completed 55% of his passes, 105 completions against 189 attempts, averaging 6.8 yards per attempt, averaging 182.7 yards per game, has thrown four touchdowns to five interceptions, and his quarterback rating so far is 72.6. Zach Wilson also does not offer that much on the ground. He's only attempted 24 uh, rushing attempts this year for 94 yards, 3.9 yards per attempt. He does have a rushing touchdown. This season has been a troubling season for the Jets. The rest of the team looks like things are starting to come into play. Before Brees Hall came down, he was averaging 5.8 yards per carry and was looking like he could have been the offensive player of the year. Uh, Garrett Wilson, he's looking pretty good. Uh, 533 yards receiving so far. Two touchdowns. I think he's going to get a lot more touches as the end of the year goes on. But if you look at the rest of this, like none of the receivers besides Garrett Wilson really has had more than like 50 targets or so. And part of this is because the offense can't keep things going. The drives aren't going particularly long. Uh, the defense has been looking fine. It, they have 32 sacks on the season so far. They have 11 interceptions as a team. And they have forced nine fumbles. This team is getting turnovers. This team is getting to the quarterback. And right now, the only, the only thing that's off right now is the quarterback play. And with these immature, with the immature comment from, with the lack of accountability, and I hate to have to just quote the phrases that I see on news headlines, Zach Wilson has painted a target on his chest. And he's put himself in a situation where while before his comments, I would have said, let him ride the year out. Uh, the, the Jets might be looking at this and saying, hey, we have a team that potentially could get into the playoffs. And our quarterback is holding us back and he's not playing like a leader. You have Joe Flacco on that team. You have Mike White on that team. Why don't we see what's going on with either of these two? And let's see if we can get the playoff drought monkey off of our back. Uh, I, I think Zach Wilson has not done himself any favors. And because of how well that the Jets have been playing this year, they're 6-4 and four through 11 weeks of the season. Currently, they're on the outside of the playoffs looking in, but right now, the Jets are the best team that is on the outside of the playoffs looking in, as far as record and percentage is concerned. The Jets still have a chance to make the playoffs, and if they don't make the playoffs, they're not going to have a top 10 pick. They're not going to be in contention for a player like C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young. Probably won't have a shot at Will Levis. Probably won't have a shot at Anthony Richardson. And after those four, the Jets are going to have to take a look within and say, hey, do we just run with Flacco? Are they going to take a look at one of the quarterbacks in free agency? Maybe this is the team that signed Jimmy Garoppolo and says, we've got everything else besides the quarterback. Why don't you let us see what you got? Honestly, I think this team is built well for a player like Jimmy Garoppolo. But it's just a little disconcerting when you see a young quarterback that was taken so high just shoot himself in the foot. But it is what it is, and he's playing the way that he is. I'm sure he's he'll be fine with his millions and millions that he's already made, and he'll finally just ride off into the sunset if he can't get it together now. Moving away from the NFL, World Cup soccer has been fascinating. First game of the season, Ecuador dominated over the host team Qatar to the extent that the Qatari fan base left the game. Not a particularly good look, but what was a good look for Middle Eastern host countries there, Saudi Arabia, just a few hours ago, upset 
favorite Argentina. This is without a doubt the biggest result of the tournament so far. England won against Iran, so Biz was was happy there. He was shouting three lions uh, the whole time. He's he's already proclaiming an English victory at the end of the season. He's he's already at this point. I can tell you, he, he's predicting that England's going to go the whole way. And the United States ended their first their beginning of the United States ended their beginning of group play with the worst possible outcome you could imagine against Wales. This team drew. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, I know. This means that the entire World Cup is already over for the United States men's national team. I hoped it was going to last a little longer, but a draw, that, that, that's it. That's the whole game. That's the whole tournament. Group stages are going to continue. Biggest game of group stage, without a doubt for me, is going to be England and United States. That's going to be on Black Friday. I'm going to be hoping to be watching replays of that. I will be distracted this Friday as that game is going on, without a doubt. Uh, interesting other news that happened. It looks like EA Sports is going to be releasing a new college football game in the summer of 2024. That is four years after their last college football game release. Uh, it was uh, NCAA football 2014. And then you started having uh, players suing EA Sports for using the likeness of their players when these players did not have the ability to have NIL deals or they did not have the ability to be able to come after their likeness and the NCAA. This was before all of that, right in the negotiation of all of this college football players earning money based off of their likeness for their participation. But the fact that there's going to be a new college football game, I know a lot of my friends are going to be excited about that. Um, Madden has not been particularly great the past couple of years, uh, so, you know, that may not be the greatest of all. Uh, we'll hope that EA Sports comes up with a new engine for the game before this releases, because what they've got for Madden right now is kind of garbage. But that's going to wrap up this episode this week. Once again, our social media handles are going to be uh, Improper Fantasy Football on our Instagram account, Twitter at Improper Fantasy. Please let us know what you think about this college football game that's going to be coming up in a year and a half or so. Are you excited about something like that popping up? And then, of course, our Gmail account, improperfantasypodcast at gmail.com. I have a shout-out. I have a shout-out to all of our listeners this week. There's been a lot of tension, anger, animosity. It seems like it's just constantly building and building and building. Uh, for a lot of you, this is going to be your first Thanksgiving with full family since the pandemic started in 2020. Things have eased up. Wide range of vaccines are available. If you haven't got your shots or you haven't been boosted yet, please consider going to get those. But I am personally excited and thankful for the fact that I'm going to be spending Thanksgiving with my family for the first time since the pandemic started. I hope all of you have the ability to share this holiday with those that you love. I hope that you all have a fantastic time eating good food, being with people that you love, and watching great football, quite frankly. But my coffee is empty now. And with that, I say have a happy Thanksgiving and cheers. Till next time.